for Labor Day. Didn't someone tell you you're supposed to be at the lake or something? We're glad that you're here. We welcome you, and uh, we uh, pray as we study God's Word today, it'll be uh, an encouragement, maybe a challenge, but certainly uh, we want it to be a blessing to you, okay? I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 16, okay? Matthew chapter 16, I hope you brought the Word, and I hope you will open it there, and uh, young people, I want you to keep it open there. Some things I want to point out, I'm going to give you an English grammar lesson today, yeah? You know me, okay. Church, let me ask you, what if, what if I were to tell you that following Jesus Christ is going to require your life? What if I were to tell you that in 20 minutes, there are going to be some guys that's going to come through those back doors. And that everybody who professed to be a follower of Jesus Christ would be shot. And you had 15 to 20 minutes to make a decision. And those doors over there would be open. Say you had 10 minutes to decide whether you really were willing to die for Jesus and that someone would be coming in with guns blaring. Would you stay? Would you stand? Or would you quietly? Amen, Daryl. I know you would. God bless you. What if perhaps you would quietly, silently slip out. What would you do? What would you do? You know, one day Jesus gathered his men together. He said to them, gang, here it is. I'm going to Jerusalem. And I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to be treated badly. And I'm going to die. And some of you are going to be dying for me and my cause as well. Jesus said that. And so I want to echo the words of Jesus to you this morning. Following Jesus Christ is going to call for your life. Following Jesus Christ requires a cross. A cross where our Lord and Savior died for sin, but a cross that Jesus says is yours, that you have to pick up and carry daily behind him. You and I have been in a short series up until now, the series has been at least kind of fun for me. It's a series where, first of all, we talked about being weary and heavy laden. When we're just about worn out and broken, Jesus says, hey, if you're that way, you're caught up in religion and the burdens of religion, why don't you just come and fall on me and I'll give you rest. That's, that's kind of cool, isn't it? We talked 
few weeks ago about children. Don't stop. Don't hinder them. Let them come. Such is the kingdom of God. That's cool beans, isn't it? Last week we even talked about that we get the joy when we link up with Christ, that we have the joy of even walking on water. Now I realize that's a figurative sense for us, for Peter was literal. But the idea behind, I think, the story was a figurative sense that we who are followers of Jesus Christ can actually, by faith, attempt some things that some folks are afraid to attempt. That's exciting. But today, what I want to tell you is that coming and following after Jesus Christ requires your life. That it's a death sentence. And picking up a cross and following after Jesus is a death march. Why would we do that? If Jesus were to say to his guys, hey, I'm going to die here, and you will too. Come, follow me. Why? Why, oh why, would we do that? Why would I stand here before you and say to you this morning, you're going to die, but it's worth it? Let's take our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I want us to begin reading verse 21. We'll read through verse 27. And I want you to keep the Bible open because in verse 25, 26, 27, I'm going to tell you why you should die. If someone were to come in and you knew it and you had 10 minutes to decide, I'm going to tell you when we close this morning why you should take your stand for Christ, why you should take a bullet for the Lord Jesus and not slip out the side door. Would you stand in honor of God's word? Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised up on the third day. Peter took, blessed Peter's heart. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. But he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now notice what Jesus said to Peter, because this is, I think, the bottom line of what we've got to wrestle through with our Christianity. You're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Let that absorb that. The bottom line of Christianity is, is this about me and what I can get? Is it about me and my pleasures? Is it about someone helping me with my feelings because I don't feel good? Someone helping my, my esteem because my self-esteem is not so good? Is it about how I can leap tall buildings in a single bound? Is it about how I can have everything I want and enjoy everything I want? Or is it perhaps about God and the things of God? Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if, and remember last week that word if is strategically important 
in Scripture. It's a condition. If anyone wishes to come after me, or behind me it could be translated, then here's what he has to do. He must first deny himself. I want to talk to you just briefly about that. He must take up his cross, and he must follow me. And then verse 25 through 27, give us the incentives or the reasons or the results why we should. I'll talk more about that at the end. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Not maybe here. Will lose it. But whoever, wishes, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I wonder what people are exchanging today, huh? wonder if maybe you are today exchanging some things for your eternity. Chew on that. And then verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And well then, your Bible may have recompense. Your Bible may have repay every man according to his deeds. Father, I love you. I want to be like Daryl. That if that question about living or dying, I could stand like my brother alongside of my brother and take a bullet for Christ. We may not have to do that here. I can tell you that we will have to take a cross, though, because that's what Jesus has just told us. Now, how that cross shapes out, looks out, and how it's defined may be a little different in each of our lives, but we know what the cross is, and that's what's going to be required. God, I pray you'll help me today as I uh, try to share some of what I've studied. I pray God, it won't tickle our ears. God, I pray it'll stab our heart. This is real stuff. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. Now, in the passage that we just read, Jesus is talking about his suffering. He's talking about his death that's coming. In an earlier passage in Matthew chapter 10, it is a little hot in here, isn't it? Saw you. Is it because you're gonna have a you're gonna have a baby? Or is it, maybe I'm going to have a baby, okay? It's hot too. In an earlier passage in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talked about the same thing. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, he talked about carrying a cross as well. And in that context, let me read you some of the things he said. He said he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Hmm. He said, following me will set a man against his father. A daughter against her mother. Family members will be enemies. He says, you cannot love anyone more than me. And if you do, he said, you're not worthy of me. Do you understand that Jesus said, you can't even love your son. You can't love your daughter. You can't love your spouse. Jesus said you can't love anything 
or anyone more than me, or you're not worthy of me. And then in Matthew 10, he says, if you don't take up your cross, you're not worthy of me. The call to follow Jesus Christ, dear people, is very clear. It's a call of death. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. So let's cut right to the truth. If Jesus is not first, or if anyone or anything is ahead of Jesus Christ in your life, then, dear person, you have a valid reason to question whether you really are indeed saved or not. The Ten Commandments tell us that. We've been, with our preteens, we're talking to them about doctrine. We're talking about who is God and what is He like. And we've talked about the Ten Commandments a little bit. The Ten Commandments tell us right from the start. You shall have no other gods. You shall make no other idols. You shall not worship or serve them. I'm a jealous God. And at the end of the Ten Commandments, God says, if you do and reject and not follow me, if you have other gods, if you worship graven images, the cause of consequence, the consequence of your sin will be dire problems for generations coming after you. God says that to us. Now let me tell you how I want to handle the text. I want us, first of all, to talk about the cross a moment, okay, the instrument, because I think it's important we do that. And then the second thing I want to do is I want to talk about some of the instructions that, that Jesus has. And then, if Lord be willing, uh, we'll kind of pull it all together, okay? Let's talk about the cross for a moment. When we were discussing discipleship with our preteens a couple weeks ago, we talked about what a disciple is and, and how that would shake out in your life, and I told them, and we talked about the cross. And I, I gave them a definition of the cross. I said a cross is an instrument of execution. That's what it is. It's an instrument of execution. The cross is an instrument that kills. Crucifixion was one of the most horrendous ways of death in all of Roman times. In fact, when Jesus mentioned the cross here, there's no doubt in my mind his disciples were thinking about just not that many years past when a guy by the name of Judas rebelled against Rome. And they took him and his followers and crucified about 2,000 Jewish men and lined the roads of Galilee with them. The suffering of crucifixion is almost imaginable. We fully, in our cultured society, we can't fully get a grasp on it. And yet it was through crucifixion, the cross, that Jesus Christ died for your sin. And it is a cross that he intends for us to carry an instrument of execution. Jesus knew 
when he was tell, talking to them, he knew that he was about to be placed on a cross for our sin. He knew the pain of it. He knew what it was like. In his very words, I think kills, beloved. The mindset of current Christianity of many today. Somehow we've decided, at least in the United States, I don't think they decide that in India or Africa, but I think somehow in these wonderful United States of America, we have the mindset that following Jesus makes you healthy. Somehow we're told by some that following Jesus Christ makes you wealthy. I think these words of Jesus kills the mindset that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel about me and a gospel of getting. You see, Jesus says that the cross kills you. And our consumption religion of today makes it hard to accept that fact that following Christ involves suffering. Following Christ involves sacrifice. And yet that's exactly what the cross shows us. Listen, gang, I'll tell you what we want today. We want an adorable cross. But the cross is not adorable, it's deplorable. We want an appealing cross. But the cross is not appealing, it's appalling. The cross is atrocious. You see, on the cross, a perfect man a pure man, an innocent man was massacred because of you and because of me. You understand? But on the cross, a totally innocent man was massacred because of Tom's sin and because of your sin. The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to know that Christianity without a cross is not Christianity. You listen to these other religions, you listen to these other preachers, find out what they think about the cross. Christianity without a cross is not Christianity, it's just another worthless religion that inundates our society today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a self-help theology, but that's what we want, isn't it? Don't we want an easy life? Don't we want an easy death? Don't we want to dance around heaven throughout all of eternity? And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ is that an innocent man was condemned as a criminal. That he was hung between two thieves as a thief. And that the holy wrath of God against sin was poured out upon him in full measure. And he took it all. And he died when he didn't have to. And he died not for himself. He died as a substitute to make atonement for us so that I and you might receive first of all his forgiveness 
And secondly, that we might receive his righteousness. For by grace you have been saved, the Bible says. You see, the cross shows us who's for us. In fact, the cross shows us who is 100% for us. And that is God. The Bible says no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friend. So I want you to remember that the cross is not something you wear around your neck. The cross is something that lives in your heart and that you carry on your shoulders. Nothing wrong with wearing a cross, gang. Don't misunderstand me. Don't go hide it when you walk out this morning, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But what I want you to grasp is that the cross is something that's inside your heart. And if he says you carry it, then it is something that you carry on your back, okay? Now, I want you to look beginning in verse 24. Let's talk a little bit about the instructions that he gives to us. In fact, I mentioned to you the word if is a condition. In other words, if you're going to follow me, then there are some things that have to be met. If anyone wishes to come after me, then what must he do? Well, first of all, he says there has to be denial. Do you see that? He must deny himself. Now, when Jesus used the term, they knew what he was talking about. They knew that he was talking about total abandonment, not a mixture, not a 10% or a 20 or 60 or a, a majority they knew that when Jesus said, you have to uh, deny yourself, that means you have to totally abandon everything in your life, any desire that you may have. That you have to give yourself over totally to him. That's why if you knew someone was going to be coming through those doors in five or ten minutes and you had an option, that's why a certain percentage in this room today, and if our old church was here, a certain percentage in this full sanctuary would go out that door. Because they're not willing to totally abandon themselves to Christ. And you can't have it any other way. You can't be a follower. You can't be a disciple. Unless you're willing to abandon yourself. We don't like it. I don't like it, frankly. But you know, I never really read or think about God's ever said to me, Tom, what do you like? God just says, that's the way it is. He said, it's a way of eternal life. It's all or nothing. A God-oriented life is his way or no way. So literally, we have to disown ourselves. Paul said, nothing good dwells in me anyway. I die daily. I don't know if you've ever heard of A.W. Pink. A.W. Pink was a theologian, a preacher, writer, years gone by, kind of... Uh, Kind of an interesting character, kind of strong in some areas, may not fully agree with. Let me read to you what he wrote. He said, growth in grace is growth downward. It is forming a lower estimate of ourselves. It is, deepening, it is a deepening realization of our nothingness. It is a heartfelt recognition that we're not worthy of the least of God's mercy. If a man wants to come behind me, then that man, first of all, must deny himself. Secondly, notice, take up his cross. Now that's 
death. We've already talked about it, but let me remind you. A cross is death. Now, that might mean to some enduring shame or embarrassment or rejection, persecution. Or it could even mean, and it was for them and for thousands and thousands, more this generation than any other generation, it might mean martyrdom. It's not the question of will you, it's a question of are you willing to? And Jesus says, you can't come, follow me, unless you're willing to. The cross gang is a death march. In that culture, uh, those, those rebellious Jews that rebelled against Rome that were crucified, every one of them had to carry the wooden beam on their back and they had to march down the streets and marched out to the place of execution. They knew that when they were carrying the beam, they were in a death march. They knew they were going to die. Now certainly we're not perfect in our lives. But I believe the life of a Christian is a death march as well. You die to self. And you grasp hold of what Jesus said, God's interests, not man's. So it's denial. It is death. But it's also a demonstration. After initially accepting the cross, it's continually carrying the cross in obedience. It's not an easy life, but it's a holy life. It's the best life of joy and peace. Rich Cal, I want you to stand and tell me what you told me yesterday. You remember what you told me yesterday? Come on, brother. I'll help you because I remember it. I won't forget it. I want you to turn around. I want you to listen. Rich called me. I think he calls me sometimes to want to know whether I'm really working or if I'm just goofing off. But he called me yesterday, and we were talking about some statements we had read, and he told me an incredible, and I want you to let, don't forget this, okay? Go ahead. About forgiveness. Can, wait a minute, you guys can't hear. Hey, can you turn this up? Okay. There you go. Yeah, he told me a little different. He says, forgiveness is a great thing, but obedience is fresh something, fresh power. Now think about that. None of us are perfect, right? We all have our weeks. We all have our moments. We all have our struggles. Isn't that right, Sean? Yeah. We all, young people, we all have bad air days, some worse than others. And when we do, what do we do? We repent. We say, oh, God, how could I have done that? Or God, how could I have thought that? Why in the world would I have done that? And so we bow before God, and he forgives us, and we have a sense of that. And it's a great feeling. But there is a greater feeling. And that is walking in obedience with the Father, carrying the cross, marching to death. Now, let me ask you, if Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm going to die, and you're going to die, what do you think they must have been thinking? Why would I do that? Let me ask you. If I were to tell you that in five or ten minutes, somebody was going to come in, and everybody who hasn't slipped out the side door 
Every one of you going to get plugged with a bullet. I think a valid question is, why would I want that kind of life? Why would I be willing to stand and take a bullet for Jesus? Why would I... Why would I... What? Wait a minute. Jesus? Why would I choose... if? If the cross is a way of suffering, why would I choose that? If a cross is a way of sacrifice, why in the world? Why would I do that, Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us three things. Look at verse 25, 26, 27. Now, I don't know how your translation is. Mine's New American Standard, which is God's authorized version, okay? Uh, but verse 25, 26, 27 begin with the word for. Is yours like that? Okay? In the Greek New Testament, it's for. Okay? That's a very important word. If you remember English kids, grammar, it's a, called a conjunction. You remember that? You know, uh, I didn't either. I had to read it. A conjunction is something that ties things together. Okay? And the word for is a conjunction that shows result. In other words, if you'll allow me, it gives us the incentive. If Jesus says, I'm going to die, and in all likelihood, you're going to die, and we say, why would I want to do that? That doesn't sound like fun. Jesus says, here's why. Here's why. Look at verse 25. Why should I do that? Because when you lose it, you got it, is what he's saying. Whoever wishes to save his life, is going to lose it, but whoever wishes to, or whoever loses his life, for my sake shall find it. What is he saying? He's saying that when you lose it, you got it. So if you really want to have life, you got to abandon it. You got to crucify it. You got to do the death march. Because you can never live until you die. But when you die, oh, beloved, listen, when you die, you really live. That's why obedience is cool. It's cool beans for a Christian, you know. Because when you lose it, you got it. And Jesus said, that's why. Number two, look at verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, what Jesus is saying is that the soul is far more important than the body. In fact, the soul is more important than life itself. One's temporal. The other's eternal. Why grab that which will cease when you can have that which will never cease? That's what he's saying. Why would I do that? Because my soul will live for eternity. My old body will die. It decays, turns gray, and sags. Sags from your chest to your belly, man. One of these days it all ends, but I'll tell you the soul never ends. And that's what Jesus is saying, and that's why it's okay to do the death march. And then number three, which I think is incredibly beautiful, okay? 
Number three is Jesus is coming and all the wrongs will be made right. Look at verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will recompense, repay every man according to his deeds. The word recompense or repay, and I, and I, I said in the first, I may stretch the word a little bit, give me a little liberty here. It, it actually means to repay in exact measure, or to repay in full is a good definition. So why would we suffer? Why would we sacrifice? Why would we take a bullet if that were to happen? Because there's coming a day when the Son of God's coming back with all of his angels. And what a day that's going to be. And on that day, beloved, everything you sacrificed and everything you suffered for and suffered through will come back to you in full measure. Gang, at the end of it all, Jesus says the accounts are going to be settled. And I want to suggest to you why he can tell us that we ought to choose a cross and carry a cross. Why he tells us we ought to do a death march and enjoy it. Why we ought to choose the way of suffering and sacrifice is because when you lose it, you get it. Because the soul's more important than the body. And when Jesus comes back, It'll all, it'll be like, I could have had a V8, you know. It'll all be worth it. By the way, that's what we're teaching your preteens. They're going to grow up loving God. When they get a little bit older, they're going to be able to teach you some things about God. Hmm? Last Sunday night, we had a uh, barbecue for our young Marys. And... In that, my time with them, I share with them a story about a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jim Elliott, but years ago, Jim Elliott and some men, um, they, uh, they, they were missionaries, surrendered to the mission field, and they decided that, that they wanted to go down to Ecuador to try to begin trying to reach and reach a, a very rough, mean, murdering tribe for Christ. Jim Elliott uh, published a book, or his widow did, called The Journals of Jim Elliott that I bought years ago, and I used to read it kind of in my quiet time, and I told the young marriage I had to put that book down because it so intimidated me. I said, there's no way a guy can be a Christian like this guy was. And it made me feel so dirty reading it, I just put it down. In fact, in one of his entries, not too long before he died, he said... Uh, uh, dear God, he says, light these idle sticks of my life that I may burn for thee. I don't require a long life, but a full life like you, Lord Jesus. One of the statements that Jim Elliott made that, that just about every uh, church will use, preacher will use from time to time, is a statement that, that, that goes like this. He said, a man is no fool to give what he can't keep in order to gain what he can't lose. You got that? A man is no fool to give what he can't keep in order to gain what he can't lose. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's why when Jesus says, hey, here's the way it is for you. It's going to be the way of suffering and travail. 
It's going to be the way of, of, of sacrifice. It, it, it's going to be the way of pain. But at the end, it'll be worth it. That's why he says, tote the cross. That's why I can stand today and say to you that if the guns were to be blaring, we ought to be able to stand up and say, here am I. Here am I. Shoot me. I told our preteens that this way of being a disciple and this way of following after God in the Ten Commandments saying you can have no other God ahead of me and you can't worship any other God. And, and I said, I, I told them, I said, it became very real to us one day when our son was a senior in college. And we had noticed something going on in Jeff's life. We uh, couldn't quite figure it out. Jeff had always been a pretty smart boy. And his grades had always been pretty good. But all of a sudden, he started doing bad on some grades and some tests. And I said, what, what's going on here? And he said, I don't know, Dad. I just don't care. I said, wait a minute. I'm paying for this. You know, you care, you know. And we talked. And, and, I, we, and I, with Mama, I, I said, you know, Paula, something ain't right. Something's not right with the boy. And we, we were struggling. He was about to graduate. And then he, he, uh, he called us and he said, Dad, uh, I just want you to know that, that God's called me to the mission field. And this stuff really doesn't excite me anymore. And, of course, you know, as a parent, you're excited about this. You want your kids. I'm going to tell you, young people, your parents, they want you to follow Jesus. You hear me? They want to know that God's important in your life. They want to know that you care deeply about what Jesus did for you on the cross and how he shed his blood for your sin. Your parents care about those kinds of things. They want to know that you're following hot and heavy after the Savior, okay? And, of course, we were, too. We were excited, man. We were, you know, and then when we got through, all of a sudden realization began to hit us. We said, Paula, you know what that means? She said, Wow. It means that we knew in our hearts that Jeff would be leaving to go overseas. And that he would spend the rest of his life, as far as we knew, serving someone that he loved more than his daddy. And someone he loved more than his mother. And we battled that. We knew that somewhere along the line he'd probably find a... Uh, a blind girl who loved him and would marry him. And if something happened, they would probably have kids. And we knew that when the kids came, we would miss their first steps. We knew that we would miss their birthday. We'd missed all of their birthdays except this year. I'm going in a couple of weeks, Paula and I, and we're going to celebrate a birthday of our grandson, the first one we've been able to do. We knew we'd have to give that up. But we decided that the cross was worthy of that. We decided that it really wasn't about man's interests. It was about God's interests. We decided that it was okay for a boy to love his Jesus more than he loved his daddy and more than he loved his mama. And it was okay. And I want to say to you, dear people, it's okay to love Jesus more than your spouse. It's okay to love Jesus more 
than your children. It's okay to love Jesus more than life itself. Because Jesus said that. And Jesus gave us the reasons why. If any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross. And he must follow me. And there's no, there's no getting around. That's what Christianity, that's what Christianity is. Father, in Jesus' name, may we understand that following after the Savior is not about man's interests, which means our interests. It's about your interests. It's about what's best from your perspective. And in the discovery of that truth and in the understanding of that truth, it's then we realize that that's the best way, that it's really in our interest then, that there's nothing better, there's no, nothing more joyful, nothing more peaceful, nothing more purposeful than to follow Jesus. Father, I know, I hope my people know, that a church will never rise higher, regardless of the programs that are offered and lessons that are taught, sermons that are preached, songs that are sung, and all the ministries that are tried to be done. Nothing will ever rise higher than cross-bearing for the followers of Christ. Maybe today, God, there are some folks here that need to pay, take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow after Christ alone. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Let's